Hello listener and welcome to episode 6 of Black and White Noise, Dunfermline Athletic's official podcast. Co-host Michael Thomas is off today, so my lieutenant today is Jordan Burt. Uh, Jordan, what's your website? It's www.jordanburtfootball.com You're well aware people don't download the podcast so they can hear Dunkerley's donings or Bertie's babblings. It's always all about our guest. So, it's a great pleasure to welcome the man, the myth, the legend. Quite simply, he used to play for Falkirk, but he's alright now. It's Higgy! How are you, pal? You okay? We're great, we're great. Thank uh, you for having me. Thanks for joining us. Uh, the first question's a really obvious one, but how's your injury? Uh, it's getting a lot better as, you know, the days go on. Um, you know, I've been in training all this week, so, you know, obviously looking to get back involved with, with the boys. Um, and, you know, it's, it's reacted quite well to training. Um, you know, I thought it would have been a lot stiffer than, than I actually am. Yeah. Um, you know, I only missed three weeks in total, I think it was. Three weeks on Tuesday just passed there, so... Yeah. You know the injury's coming along nicely, and you know I'm just looking forward now to getting back in and amongst the boys, and and hopefully getting back out on the pitch. Was that a, was that a hernia? Ah, uh, double hernia, yeah. Right, so, okay, that's quite. I mean, I'm no doctor, but it's quite quick recovery. Yeah, most most players, you know, normally take you know four to six weeks. Um, you know, I was back full training after three, so. Wow. Um, aye, quick recovery, and I think you know most of my injuries that I've had throughout my career, I've always you know seemed to recover you know quickly, so. You know, I think that's that's a good trait to have. That's good. Could I just jump in and say I know that you do it with your herbal life and that do you feel that that's quite a, a good tool to help you recover quicker? I I would say so. Um I wouldn't say it's it's progressed the injury any. Um, you know, but it's certainly kept me in shape when I've been off, you know, out of training and not been able to do any cardio work, you know, because I've been, you know, eating right and, you know, feeding my body with, with the correct correct nutrition. Um you know, I've, I've been able to keep my, you know, my, my body fat down and, you know, keep relatively in, in good nick. So, you know, it's it's only going to keep me in good stead for, for getting back in and, you know, training and then hopefully, you know, taking reserve games and then getting back out on there on a Saturday, which, you know, is my ultimate aim. As always, the first item we look at on an agenda is uh, reflecting on previous games. There would seem to be no better place to start than the most recent game at, at Grangemouth on, on Saturday. It's strange to see a derby where we looked in complete control. Me and Jordan are obviously Dunfermline fans. You're, you're, would we at the game? Did, did you? I, I went to the game. Aye. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you're watching on when it's your own team. You're always concerned something bad's going to happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm forty now. I've been watching Dunfermline since I was five, so I'm always expecting something bad yeah, to happen. Yeah. But I think for a neutral, as soon as Dunfermline took the lead, I, I think you would expect us to go on and win. I, I, and when you look back in the game as a whole. We were fairly untroubled, I think that's fair to say. Absolutely, you know, that's the, the exact, you know, review I would give of the game as well. Um, you know, speaking to a few, you know, Falkirk fans and people that I knew when I was playing at the club after the game and, you know, that's exactly what I said to them. Um, you know, if you're lacking in, in, you know, quality, then at least, you know, in a derby you've got to give that fight and that passion. Um, you know, and no disrespect to Falkirk, I'm not, I'm not bad, bad, bad mouthing them, but you know, everyone at the game, even their own fans would probably admit that that's not acceptable, especially in a, in a derby game. Um, you know, but I thought, take nothing away from, from how we performed, I thought we was brilliant. Um, definitely the best we've played this season and you know, hopefully now that's two wins on a, on a, on a spin now and hopefully we can just you know, keep adding to that and, and pushing up that table where you know, we, we, we belong and you know, we need to be winning 
games week in week out if you want to be up there come the end of the season Kind of touching on what Stephen said there about fans always kind of expecting the, the worst to happen especially when it's like a slender lead like that and you're playing so well Is that from a player's perspective on the pitch when you're out there does, does that play on the minds as well say if you're 60-70 minutes in and miss three or four good chances but one up do you go we need to make sure that we don't concede is that why teams get deeper and deeper as the game goes on is that where the mental side of things come in I think it all comes down to you know but it depends on, on, on what sort of run you're on at the time um, in terms of what your previous games have been. Uh, you know, if you've lost a couple of games and then you won a lot going into like the, the 60th sentiment, you will automatically try and defend the lead. Um, you know, but I think we was in that much control. Uh, they never really looked like scoring, if I'm being honest. They could have played two or three games and, and wouldn't have scored. Um, you know, and I think that's just credit down to us, not how bad Falkirk was, I think. You know, we've got a, a really good squad at the minute, um, very, you know, strong competition for places and, you know, it's for me now looking back, coming back from injury, you know, it's it's going to take a hell of a lot for me now to, you know, force my way back into that, that team. Um, but, you know, I won't be sitting there sulking, I'll, I'll get my head down, I'll work hard and, you know, that's what happens in football when you get injured, you know, you've, you've got to bide your time and, you know, I want the boys now to go on and win every single game, keep me out of the team and that'll mean we'll get promotion. Um, where this club, you know, I believe deserves to be in the Premiership. It's, it's one of those things that it shows how quickly it can turn in the league that we are in. Talking about being able to play another two or three games without scoring, that to me looked how the Parrot Thistle game was going for both sides. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely. Aside from maybe the one obvious exception, you know, that the ball was given away constantly, mm-hmm. there wasn't a goal coming. The kind of goal we scored that day was the kind of goal I'm used to. I know it's just fans being paranoid but he kind of used to seeing us over the years yeah, something like that yeah. happened to us I, I couldn't believe it but then the, the, the transformation in the last 20 minutes was, was stark you know mm-hmm. Louis Longley started getting involved in the game you know Conley hit the post there was another two or three chances mm-hmm. but you know albeit Lee kind of saved us at the end but they were always going to pile men forward and then you just made the Falkirk game even more interesting you're wondering well do we take the momentum for the last 20 minutes in and also, we were the first team to play Falkirk, let's not forget that after they were in the back, I won. Because mm-hmm. they've gone to Alloa, 1-2-0, yeah. no, that's a good result for anyone in the mm-hmm. league. So, it was, it, was, it was interesting to see how that game was going to go. Uh, you take everyone with a pinch of salt, hearing about you know, how, how bad the Falkirk team are. You mm-hmm. know, anyone can have a bad run in this league, because yeah. it is quite yeah. tight. But uh, I was really, really impressed with us, and especially impressed by the way we kept the ball. Yeah. We, we, looked, yeah. we did look at up class above them mm-hmm. and obviously that's not to say it's going to happen four times this season against them but I thought the signs were quite good the one game I wasn't at and so you two can fill me in here was the, was the Martin game but I'm told that that was uh, an improvement on the, the, the two games previous to that the Aloe and the Boreham Wood game I thought we defended quite <coughs> quite well in that game obviously the, the error from we occurred near the end which which um, meant it was a draw but I, that was an argument where we didn't really look like conceding any goals I don't think there was much in the game I don't know what you think uh, Higgy but I don't think there was much in the game and when we got that goal it looked like it was going to be one of those kind of grinding out 1-0 victories that if you're going to go up and challenge for promotion that's the kind of games that you have to pick the results up in Well I'll bet I can't comment on that because I wasn't at the game either (laughs) (laughs) No but you know listening to the lads and when you come in on the Monday you know we're supposedly full of you know Fuller deserved to win the game. Um, you know, it's just a, a mistake by by Lee that you know I probably wouldn't wouldn't make again, um, especially this this season. Um, you know, so like you said, that was an improvement on the on the previous two games, and then you know we've we've gone on and followed that up with two wins now. So, right. 
you know, fingers crossed that we can go on go on a on a little run and that's all it takes, four or five games of, of, of winning and then, you know, you find yourself right back up the top of the league. Um but like you said, you can't really call it in this league. Any team can beat any team out on any given Sunday and I think that just what makes it this league so interesting. Um you know, because when I look at the fixtures every Saturday, I'm I'm struggling to see who's going to win the games. Um, you know, over the course of of the season, it, it starts to you know pan out a little bit, and you you know who's the strongest. But at the minute, you know, I would say probably Ross County uh, look the strongest. Definitely. Um, I know what we've got in that, that that change room, and I know what I see on the training pitch when you know when I'm back training and. You know, if we can all pull together and pull in the right direction, then I, I fully believe that we'll be, you know, challenging come the end of the season. It's something that I find quite interesting. I said it to the manager, Andy Ryan, after the game on Saturday against Falkirk, how quickly football could could change in terms of momentum, in terms of maybe a month ago the fans were a bit despondent mm-hmm. and the players didn't look as confident. Now we're five games unbeaten, two wins in a row, the players look mm-hmm. on form, the fans seem a bit more buoyant again. It's almost like Ayers who have came up and continued that momentum on. They've not really hit their dip in form yet. <coughs> whereas Park Thistle, they've kind of carried on their mm-hmm. their kind of uh, malaise from the Premiership. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how confidence is such a big factor in football. Absolutely, you know, just mentioning them two teams, you can see the difference in in the the confidence in the players. Um, you know, Partick get relegated, they carry that on. Now they're struggling. You know, they sack the manager and it, it just runs right through the club. Uh, get promotion, start the season on fire. You know, every player wants the ball. Every player's you know scoring, especially Shankland, and you know that's that that's what breeding confidence into your players. That then you can go out on the pitch on a on a Saturday and you know go and express yourself without being worried about giving the ball away or you know you go and try and play a pass that cuts the defence open and you know you give it away and the fans are booing and then you know the next time you get the ball you don't want to try that pass because you know you don't want to give it away so. I think you know when the shackles are off the players, and, and like you've seen in the last couple of games, that's what it looks like to me with our players, and it all come from you know you spoke earlier before with that, that goal. Mm. Um, for the first seventy minutes in that Partick Thistle game, it was you know anyone with a, with a football in mind will tell you that it wasn't the, the, the best of games. Um, everyone looked nervous, no one wanted the ball. Once that goal went in, and you know everyone looks free and everyone's going and expressing themselves and. You know, if you can take that into every game, regardless of, of what the previous result was, you know, you'll win more games than you'll lose. I can I can guarantee that because the quality in the dressing room is is a lot better than, than what most teams in this league have to offer. So it are an interesting <laughs> one to see if they can keep it going. Because mm-hmm. your instinct would tell you no, but the team that came up the year before, Livingston, they, exactly, they, they yeah. did it and it probably to me what you're saying, the the teams coming down often find it a difficult transition and mm-hmm. then hit the straps later on in the season which maybe makes Ross County's form a bit more ominous mm-hmm. uh, and they looked I thought we did very well against them I covered this in the last podcast so we're not we're just touching that. I thought we did very well against them in the first half mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then we struggled a bit in the second half but a couple of their goals were, were top jars especially mm-hmm. the, the, yeah, the first one, first one yeah. and uh, a little bit of like quality like that are the, the things that can turn draws into victories in this league fans are fickle you know a couple of defeats and the managers lost the dressing room couple of wins and everyone's back on his oh, side again yeah. uh, they may argue though when you, you look back especially when you've had a couple of good results the, the Aloe and the Boreham Wood games now they weren't the best games of football fans tend to focus on the fact that well, with Boreham Wood it was different because it was a day trip and we all had a great time and all that <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the Aloe game you maybe lose sight of the positives that we've gone to a back four and 
we certainly we barely lost or we barely let the opposition create a chance in those yeah. games yeah. so we, we kind of had steady the ship and, and put a platform down for us to, to build on and hopefully we'll, we'll see the benefits of that albeit I didn't hate the 3-5-2 when I saw it at the start of the season but how does that affect you? because obviously in a, in a fourth in a Kind of play more centrally, weren't you? When in the three five two and a four four two, you're going to play wide. Yeah, no, you know, in three five two, like you said, in the the Betfred Cup games and and pre season, I thought you know we looked looked really good passing the ball, people getting in the holes, you know, people running off off players, etc. And then, like I said, you come into the league games and you know we wasn't winning games. It's mm. as simple as that. We was we was playing well, but just didn't didn't win any games. Um, you know, and then we started leaking goals as well. So. You know, like you said, the Mallower game and the, the Bowden Wood game, you know, the gaffer decided, you know, go back to what he, he knew worked last season anyway, was was, was the four. Um, you know, and, and we've just progressed from there. Um, you know, for me personally, you know, it was it was, it was was hard for me to get into that, that, that three in the middle because, you know, he wants the defensive side as well as, yeah. as, as attacking. And for an attack-minded player, it's, it's hard then, you know, going both ways because... You're just instantly thinking, you know, forward, 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 and you know, uh, for me personally, I'm, I'm delighted he's gone back to a, you know, a, a full four-two. Um, you know, it gives me a better try, a better chance of you know breaking my way back into that side. Um, you know, but whatever the gaffer wants to play and, and whatever system he wants to go with, you know, I'll be fully behind that, and you know, just work work my my hardest, you know, to to get back playing. Um, but preferably, if I had to choose a, a formation, it would be 4-4-2, It's interesting, when I first saw you in <coughs> Scottish football, you were playing more centrally for Falkirk. Because I, I, I thought you stood out in that, that Presley's team whenever you played Dunfermline. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love, that's, that's, I've said all my career, I, I love number 10. Mm. I think it's just because you get that freedom to, to roam both sides rather than just, you know, being stuck on one wing. But, you know, I've played most of my career as a winger, so... For me, I still call myself a number ten. Is uh, is hard, but you know I, I believe that's where I get you. You get the best out of me. Eh? Um, it's not just a case of uh, throw me in one game and then you know see how he does. If I don't you know score or set a goal up, then you know it's no good in there. You need to run the games to to, to show what you can do. Uh, yes. But now I've I've loved I love my career on the right. I've had a I believe I've had a good career on the, on the. On the wings, and you know, long may that continue because I, I still believe I've got you know plenty to offer. Just when it comes into my head, I was going to say you might want to have a word with Miles about how you celebrating the Falkirk Derby game. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't worry, I did, I did give him a bit after it. Um, well, that's what I'm referring to. I know. <laughs> you know, because he, he booed him when he come on, so that should should have been the. The Kickstarter to, to go and you know give it a bit of back because it's all it's on the badge and I've done the understand that exactly it's all about you know it's a bit they give me pelt as well you know they've got to then take it back when when I when I manage to score so you know I'll be giving him some lessons not to worry about that to, to be fair all all fans are like I've seen them firm fans go crazy at guys supporting for or celebrating in front of them yeah. when they be giving them pelters for about eighty minutes uh-huh. and like you got you got to take on the gym. <laughs> Uh, but speaking about our wonderful fans, 675 turned up at Boreham Wood. Uh, I thought that was it's probably a record for a team travelling to a different country in that competition. Uh, surpri- I, I was surprised we took as many as that. I mean, it was a good wee trip, but uh, j- just just shows you the appetite for something a bit different, I think. Aye, not only that, it just shows you how, how big a club this actually is. That's what it's shown to me anyway. Um, you know, no matter where we go, we take numbers. Uh, I don't know if you've got the figures for when we went went up north to that 
that team we played twice in the cup. It's like Bucky. Bucky yeah, first alive. Yeah, we took we took we took numbers up there as uh, well and you know, like you said, it was a, a great opportunity for, you know, not not only hardcore fans but, you know, family based fans that, you know, could have got a weekend away or, you know, a night away and, you know, get get to watch the team, like you say, play a different a different team out of out of Scotland which, you know, was obviously appealing to a lot of fans and you know, when you walked out and they was all singing and, <laughs> you know, it was brilliant. I, it's, I like them small grounds with, you know, with packed full of fans and, you know, on the other side, Boreham Wood had about three about people and a dog. So, you know, we outnumbered them at the, their own their own ground, which I thought was, you know, amazing. And, you know, it's just unfortunate we couldn't get a few goals to, you know, get them celebrating. But, you know, we won on penalties, which was, was a good thing. It sets up the game on Saturday, which probably come at a good time. I don't know if you had any chance you get a run out there, but you've got, like, say, Tommy Beadling might get a game. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate. Am I right in saying Aidan Keena has just played for the Hearts Reserves, but he's cup tied for, yeah, for Saturday? Yeah, yeah. This I don't understand. If they're bringing the Colts teams as a let's take it at face value, shall we? That it's a, it's you know to give these boys a, a chance up against pros rather yeah. than just playing themselves. Yeah. He's obviously done well for Hearts. He's come to us. He's now got a chance to to break through, but we're playing quite well. So the obvious place to pitch him in is the Iron Brew yeah, Cup, yeah. and now they're saying well, you can't play because he played for Hearts under twenties. I don't think it's particularly joined up thinking. I understand the cup tied rule, but I think they should probably have a an exemption. Well, there's a lot of things in Scottish football that's not joined up thinking for, um, <laughs> you know. But speaking inside this game, if if you wanted to touch on that, you know, hopefully, you know, if you, if I have anything to do with it, I'd. <laughs> say I I will I've, I've felt good in training you know today was probably the best I've felt all season no niggles no no stiffness or nothing and I felt good in training so you know hopefully you know the gaffer will, will pitch me in on Saturday not starting or anything you know just being back in the match day squad and for the game in particular it's, it's difficult I believe in you know if you're chopping and changing and one argument is you keep the same team you, you, you keep the run going you keep the momentum going and, and carry on the, the progress or you you know you give the boys who have been on the bench and you know wanting to get it back involved um so you know that's just two arguments there uh, what a manager must be thinking and, that, and how hard it must be you know to keep a full squad you know all happy and all pulling together because it's don't get me wrong when you're not playing and the, you see the team winning it's it's really difficult when you sat on that bench and you know sometimes you're not getting on on a Saturday and yeah. you know it's really hard to people just think you know you turn up training and <laughs> you know there's so many emotions that are involved with you know being a footballer and you know it's not just a case of turn up play football go home and you know you've got a life at Riley it's some players take you know the frustrations on and, and stuff like that so I was going to say the Iron Brew Cup competition. Um, a lot of people obviously don't see it as the most important competition, and with the addition of the kind of other UK clubs, some people quite enjoyed that kind of difference. Some people think why are clubs from other countries joining the Scottish mm-hmm. competition? From a player's perspective, having went down to Boreham Wood um, and kind of experienced that kind of day or two away with the players that London kind of session would you say that that's helped start this little run that we've been on compared to say if we'd played all at home for example is it a different it's obviously a different experience but do you feel that that's maybe helped start this wee run that we've been on lately yeah you could you know you could pitch an argument for that um, you know we had two days 
together basically away you know with traveling flying down and staying overnight and then you know traveling back so it's a lot of time where you you know you're all together and you know you're all coming together as a group and you know having the banter etc which you know is, is always good um you know when you're on a bad run um you know and i don't know if it's coincidence that that's when you know the runs you know started um but you know i'm not a big fan of of the iron brew cup uh, well in particular in the foreign teams um, coming into the, the competition I don't think you would get that in any other country but you know then the competition was, was getting a bit stale and they've tried to freshen it up so it's you know you've you've just got to take it as it comes um, going down there was a great trip but I don't think financially for the club it was it was no. you know it was great so you know hopefully we can we can go on and, and win the competition you know it's it's, a, it's another cup um, any cup you're in you want to win it so I know the manager under normal circumstances it was a league game we could probably sit down and put the 1 to 11 here it's probably going to be very much like it was the last couple of games so it'll be interesting to see the, the team selection on Saturday yeah. to see what he is thinking because mm-hmm. I guess there is an argument saying well, it's just another Saturday we'll put the same team in but I would imagine maybe he might say well, there's two or three guys been out injured knocking on the door at least give them a run out so it'll be interesting from a personal point of view my family's from Northern Ireland so if we could stay in it and draw Coleraine away I'll get a, kind of, I'll get a trip to see them laws and the powers so that would be nice but I don't, don't suppose we can manipulate the draw between us although who knows with Scottish football after the after the League Cup semi-final debacle anything's possible exactly uh, could they made a worse job of that by the way Aberdeen aren't happy because obviously Rangers wanted more Aberdeen wanted 50-50 ticket split for the same final Rangers have been given I think 60% and Aberdeen 40% or something so and why, uh, why is that why is that two teams are playing in a semi-final surely it's, it's 50-50 no especially if Aberdeen can shift them which they will be ah, 100% if it was say for instance Rangers versus you know no disrespect say a, a Partick or you know a Dunfermline who probably wouldn't be able to sell 50% of, of you know Amden or wherever it's going to be played at then give them the extra tickets but when it's a, 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 a what you would so call a big you know f- top three or top four club in Scotland they will shift the tickets and for me, it's got to be 50-50, no? Other, other goings on at the club then, since the last podcast, we've made a two, maybe even three additions to the club. Have you included uh, Dave from the club shop, who's just won the, <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's, who's just won the, the competition? But uh, two guys from Hearts, Mallory Martin and Aidan Kina. You know, and I believe, for just a personal preference, you know, he's been a difference of, of when he's coming to the squad. Um, you know, he gets on the ball, he slows the ball down when it needs to be passed, he'll, he'll pass it. And, you know, he just looks a class act on the ball. Um, you know, I've liked him from the minute he come in. Uh, you know, but it's, it's all well and good when, when we're winning games. Um, when we, hopefully we never, <laughs> this thing a sticky patch and, you know, I believe that he'll be at a, you know, pick a pass and, like you said, make them draws when it's looking like a draw, he'll be able to open, open that door and, find that key pass that out, you know, get us that three points. Um, you know, and, and Aidan Keena, I've not seen much of him. No. He's only come in the last couple of days. He's had a similar operation to myself. So, you know, it's good that he's, he's on board and, you know, he's been looking lively in training as well. He's, he's sharp, he, he works hard. So, you know, if the last couple of days is anything to go by, it'll be a good addition. Um, aye, two, two great additions. You were speaking about competition earlier inside the squad. Robbie Muirhead, of course, came in as well late oh, in the transfer Sorry, window Robbie. and uh, from MK Dons. And uh, again, that again just emphasises the strength and depth that we do have. 
Yeah, you know, and I've, I've played against Robbie and I've known Robbie for quite some time and, you know, he's, he's an unbelievable talent still, the age of 22, if I'm, nice. if I'm right, which seems mentally, it's like he's been around for ages, you know, and he's scored some absolute wonder goals in his in his time. So, you know, it's it's, it's good for him that he's, he's here as well. He's, he's probably not, not happy at the minute that he's not playing, which, you know, if you ask any player who's not playing, he won't be happy. Um, you know, but once he gets his chance and, you know, starts working hard again and gets back in the team then you know I've got every every confidence that you know he'll he'll start to show what it's all about. Speaking of a guy that won't be in the team on Saturday it'll be Ryan Williamson because he's with the under 21s. How much is that down to you Higgy? Because he looks better when you're playing in front of him. Well it's got here Ryan Willis has selected again for under 21s Iggy takes the credit absolutely. Uh, well, I would have thought so. <laughs> Just saying what we've seen from the <laughs> are No I think uh, I think you know I can't take any credit for for Rizzo. He's an unbelievable talent. Um, I you know personally love playing in front of him. I think we've got that that understanding. And you know when he plays bad, I think it may be just coincidence that I'm not on the pitch at the time. Um, <laughs> That's very nice of you. But I think you know because of the the understanding and the partnership that we we created, especially last season at the beginning of the season was you know was unbelievable. Um, you know, I think every goal, especially in the Betfred Cup and then the first couple of games, come from from our side. Rather, me or Rizal was, yeah. you know, assisting the goal. Um, you know, and it it just grew from there. Um, we've got a great relationship on and off the pitch. He's, he's a great lad. Um, you know, and is and what a bright future he's got in in front of him. Um, you know, what we were talking about player confidence, etc. Before, and you know, when the team was on that bad run, mm-hmm. you know, he just looked a, a shadow of of the player that he normally is. He doesn't get forward as much does he no and, and I don't know why because you know when he goes forward and he's got that confidence nobody can, can get near him especially in this league and it's exciting as know, well like you touched on we lose a few games and everyone's the manager sat <laughs> I believe that we, we when we lost them few games you know everybody was on, on his back which I thought was shocking um, from me sitting and, and looking and, and watching the game Aye. You know, especially fans and that was it's 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 been unbelievable since I've been there. You know, and like you said, it's fickle. They they pay the ah, money to to vent what they want, and and that's fine. But for me, you know, when he's such a young guy as well, well, not young. He's played so many games. He, he can handle that. He should be able to handle that. But you know, it, it looked to me that he he couldn't. Um, you know, but he's he's been now selected for the twenty ones again, which will give him you know a, a great boost and. He'll be he'll be finding it tough out of the team. You know, you look at James Craig and he's yes. playing unbelievable at right back. Mr. Versatile play yes. play anywhere on the pitch, um, which you know is a is a great trait to have, I suppose. But I just what I'm trying to say is that he looked like the one that you know lost his confidence the most out of out of the the, the, the team that was playing at that time. Um, you know, especially when he get brought off, you know, a couple of games and stuff like that. So you know, hopefully he's he'll get back to his best and, and start showing that. But you know, he's gonna. Have to work hard to get Craig yeah. out of that position. Pfeiffer's just like a moon though, it's a, it's a regional yeah, pastime. Yeah, well, who doesn't? Who <laughs> I'm the, the, probably the moaniest person ever, especially in training, so I can relate to that. Do you think it says a lot about <coughs> Dunfermline as a club and the people that are involved at it that they haven't had any knee-jerk reactions to the manager despite maybe a couple of bad performances and results because you look at Falkirk, Dundee United, Morton, Parrick as well. That's four teams out of the ten in the, in the championship this year before the first quarter's out, sacked the manager. That can't be good for the team or the club overall for, for them. Do you think that with the, the directors kind of sticking with 
the, the management team and allowing the players to try and progress on the pitch is the right way forward and is that how we've maybe been able to get out the bad run that we did? We should say that Martin didn't have a choice. Well, yeah, I suppose <laughs> that. But, uh, yeah, but you know, but, you know, to answer your question, I think, you know, it just shows how much, you know, the board believe in the manager. Um, you know, since he's been there, am I right in saying that he's progressed every year, you know, promotion, you know, kept us in the league fifth, narrowly missed out on, on the playoffs and then last year playoffs. So, you know, they've given him another two-year contract in the summer. So, you know, just because we've had that, that bad run of games, you know, it doesn't mean to say that, that, that we're not going in the right direction um, you know like we touched on before we lose two or three games and, and everyone thinks the club's in crisis <laughs> you win two or three games and everyone thinks we're going to get promotion so ah, you know you need to take it with, with a pinch of salt and you know everyone's behind the gaffer in the dressing room and you know we know especially player wise we know what we've, we've got quality wise so you know the gaffer can only pick the team, and it's the players that you know ultimately go out on the pitch on a Saturday. Um, you know, so and I think maybe because of the start we had in the Betfred Court, where right. lots, lots, but no, you know, if you ask me at the beginning and you ask me now, I would say our aim is to get promotion, one hundred percent. You know, I think the gaffer was backed. You know, to for us to be pushing, and because we went on that run, everyone then starts panicking, but. You know the the seasons a long a long season and there's so many games to to get them you know losses that we had at the beginning back and you know we've we've looked like we've we've started to turn the corner and like I said if we have this conversation again with a week to go in the end of the season I can can guarantee it'll be a whole lot different. You can come and join us then. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, we still got a wee bit of time. Do you mind if we just touch upon your career? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Doing the research is quite an interesting career, and it's just one or two things that that, that stood out. Uh, most of us saw you first uh, as a Falkirk player, yeah. as, as, as uh, someone played centrally in Presley's team. Unless I'm mistaken, it's not a Falkirk accent you have. So, uh, how, how did you end up in the, the dark side? I was playing at Rochdale at the time. Um, you know, I was there for three years, and I got released in the summer, and you know, I just left it to my agent to, to try sure. and find me somewhere. And one day, I got a phone call after the, the PFA down in England saying that Ross Wilson at the time um, I'd rang the PFA to get my number who was like working with Falkirk you know so I said that's fine got in touch I went up had a meeting with with Presley and you know I think it was the next week I was moving from England to Scotland and that's how quick it, it happened um, you know but I did every every interview I, I have I loved my time at Falkirk um, you know he's definitely one of the best uh, the best performances on a, on a regular basis um, which you know then ultimately you know I got my move off the back of that back right. down to Wuddersfield um, Your league debut was against Unfermland wasn't it? Uh, it was we got beat 2-0 I still remember great atmosphere um, Unfermland were good though Joe Gardner especially oh, that, that season use was, was really really strong and That's then we played just the last game out here we got beat 3-0 which that was, that was a strange the, the, the first game of the season was a I don't know if I'm more ahead than the Falkirk were a wee bit unlucky to get beat 3-0 that day the first game of the season could have been could have been more but, Aye, yeah. uh, but I think because you was all in party mode and Aye. it was a derby it was just so horrible to play Aye, I think things were going right I think for us was it, was it the one where everyone had the shoes in there was that not Aye, the that, that, that was just kind of commonplace they have got the brown shoes Aye. Aye. Yes, so, I, don't, I think it's quite like Stephen Presley deep down obviously when he's managed Falkirk but I think it's more than jest than anything else I thought he was an unbelievable manager and, and more to the point man manager um, he seemed to get the best out of, of the players that he had um, with, with very little you know finances um, 
you know, give quite a lot of young players the, the way in the game, especially, you know, the likes of Fulton, Sibold, um, Kingsley, Blair Alston, you know, all these types of players that I, I play are doing doing brilliant in the careers now. Um, you know, we give them that, that pathway to come through. And I don't know if that's through choice or through finances, but, you know, he certainly believed in the young ones. Aye. Well, he's up in to me here, I mean, he believes in that. Mm-hmm. Just getting reminded <laughs> for a short on time. Uh, <laughs> Aye, so you mentioned Rochdale, did you play at Wembley? Is that right? Aye, I did, yeah. We got beat uh, 3-2 off uh, Stockport, um, which was difficult Difficult to take, yeah. I bet uh, that was a dream for you to, to oh, play. Oh, it was unbelievable. What, a, what, a, what an experience. But then, you know, I did manage to go back again with Huddersfield and, you know, be on the winning side, which, you know, if you talk about two ends of the scale, um, I think I've had them both. 8-7 on penalties, apparently. Aye, it was, it was amazing. Um you know, to play in both games as well, um, not just, you know, sitting there. You know, I started both games, which is, you know, amazing. And would you have taken a penalty if you were still on the pitch? Aye, I would have thought so. I would have dinked it. Don't worry about that. We'll come, we'll come to that in a second. <laughs> uh, so, the, the, the interesting time there, though, I was looking at this, if, if the stats are to be believed, you went to Huddersfield, yeah. then you got loaned up the way to Barnsley in the Championship, yeah. then you come back to Huddersfield and still ended the season playing for them. Yeah, which is bizarre, eh? Aye. Uh, you know, but I still remember a conversation I had with... The boy uh, Kadamatra, if you remember him, he used to be at Dundee. Danny, Danny Kadamatra. Yeah, it's yeah. okay. Because obviously, when I'm, I was gone from playing every week at Falkirk, get him a move, made my debut, got man in a match, and then the manager gets sacked, a new ah, manager comes in. That's what it was, right? Okay. New manager comes in, and you know, I'm, I'm not even in the match day squad, and I'm like, what? what's going on here? Um, you know, so when I spoke to the manager at the time, which was, was Simon Grayson, uh, he said, you know, I don't know much about you, blah, blah, blah. So I said, OK, can I go out on loan? You know, my, my agent, you know, managed to get me to Barnsley, gone up a league, which mm. was playing in the championship, Aye. which was, you know, bizarre in itself, but was was a, a great experience. Playing against the likes of West Ham, who had, like, Nolan and, and all that. They went on and won that league that, that year. Um, you know, we stayed in the league for Barnsley, which was a, a great achievement at the time. Uh, and then got recalled because, you know, I believe I was, was, was playing well. Yeah. Um, played the last two league games of the campaign and then played in the sem- uh, the, the playoffs and the final. So, you know, it just shows you, like I was touching on before, the old roller coaster of, of being a footballer. You know, you get a, an unbelievable move. You know, you find yourself a week later, nowhere near the team. You go out on loan, come back, and then, you know, you end the season with a, a playoff victory, so... Then that's all in six months <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say then you had spells at Carlisle and, and Motherwell yeah. you only got one goal at Motherwell but it wasn't a bad goal no that was probably the best goal I uh, and then a good amount of time at Thistle and I think you scored the goal that kind of or one of the goals that secured Thistle staying in the top league so I was watching that goal the other night at, uh, at the Tyne Castle the Tyne Castle 4-2 won that game which I would say he's up there with, with one of my, my best nights of you know being a footballer today um, you know we was under so much pressure going into because that was the second to last game um, we needed to, to win that game in, to ensure that we went into the last game not needing a result okay. if we got beat we would, would have been still stayed up so you know I think we went 1-0 down one all, two one down, two all, and then eventually won four two. So what a night! Um, you know, and I did, like you said, scored scored a goal, which you know made it four two. So it put us at that that gap in between us and kept us in the league. You seem to enjoy that goal. Oh, I loved it! Absolutely <laughs> loved it. Uh, so then it was Kelly, and then how did you move to Dunfermline come about? Uh, I still had one year left at um, Kilmarnock, but was told by by the manager at the time I wasn't in his plans. Which was Lee Clark, ironically, the one who popped me for Oh well. <laughs> so 
Um, I said that's fine. You know, we come to an agreement of you know some sort of pay up. Um, you know, and I spoke uh, quite friendly with with Big Ben Richards Everton. Yes. Um, he spoke with Potts here and the gaffer and just said, "Oh, can I come in and train? Uh, keep myself fit while I'm, I'm trying to get somewhere. Uh, come in, obviously trained well. Gaffer had a word with me, and you know the rest of this year. Three years later, I'm, I'm, I'm here still. I'd, I'd be scared to tell Ben no to anything. I think. <laughs> 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 I haven't seen the size of him. <laughs> so I was going to say it. I've always liked you as a player. Though, like you try things, doesn't always come off. Yeah, but absolutely. If, if it did, you would. Be Those it. guys at Real Madrid, they yeah. know, ah. came off that they'd, you know, they'd be happy with it. So, but uh, you'll find us odd. The time, the one that stands out, I thought I'd really take to the player. It was against Ayr when you it was one one. I think we're down to ten men. You missed a late penalty. Mm-hmm. Then you won a penalty about forty five seconds later. Grabbed the ball and it was it was a freak save to be honest. He was going the other way. Put yeah. his hand out. Now, if it wasn't for the fact that we'd lost the Dundee United game, missed three penalties in a row, we're on a terrible run with penalties. Yeah. That that would have gone in. But it was just one of those things. Fleming managed to get a hand to it and sometimes. I just saw how gutted you were at the yeah, end. I was devastated. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, no, well, no. Brush over it. There's probably fans giving you a stick, you know, because you missed two penalties. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, I think I think most of us in the so I thought, well, at least it's someone that cares. Yeah. And at least you, at least you wanted to. T- I like the desire to actually want to take yeah, the next one. Yeah. I like the desire you actually won the penalty. Yeah. I want to take the next one. And then we're going with my sole three penalties against Hamilton in the cup. Yeah. Yeah. We then get a penalty against. Well, we fairly scored ones against Hibs, and then you decide to Panenka one against Rovers in the derby. <laughs> but we still probably could have got relegated that season. <laughs> you obviously like the pressure and like no, and, have, just, and have the confidence. Nah, that's what it is. Confidence in my, in my own ability. Um, you know, I don't. I believe that'll never happen again. That Air United the game. Uh, <laughs> first and foremost, you know, like you touched on, it was a, an unbelievable save. The the second one, the first one was was a poor penalty. Ah. Um, you know, and that's why I grabbed the ball back because I wanted to make amends for, for missing the first one. Um, you know, and then when he saved that, I just thought, how was that happened there? Ah. <laughs> it was going top corner. I, well, it looked like it was so much power, and he just, ah. you know. But I think that season he had an unbelievable record of saving penalties. He did. And, um, I think it was someone in the Betfred Cup. I think I dinked him um, just to get my own back. Right, okay. He was playing for Peter Ed, I think. Ah, uh, right. So <laughs> I got my own back on him anyway, so that's that's 1 1 between me and him. Uh, <laughs> no, but it comes down to me, you know, having confidence that, you know, I can step up and, and put the penalty in. And, you know, I've, I've not missed a penalty since, no, since that. I've got a very so. good record of penalties yeah. since, since that horrible season. Uh, <coughs> and the way that player bounces back or what fans love, obviously, you've. For instance, you sent off against Volkert last season. You then go and score. Yeah. Albeit deflection, it was going in anyway. Oh, it's going top goal. Aye, aye. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then you set up the second goal for Fraser Aird as well, didn't you? Well, I pulled it back to Decky and he scuffed his right? shot. Aye, it went. Tell you what I'm thinking of. You, you, you put one in a plate for Nicky Clark. Aye, I did. Not the first and last of that season. <laughs> so you know bounce back there and you also you heard about the famous Isfan Cosma hat-trick you almost got something similar against Dumbarton last I season know, I know I was up there in the, in the stand near the press box so I was right behind yeah. it and it looked top corner all there I couldn't believe it I couldn't believe it and then and, uh, aye, the, 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 the one to make it three but the volley was a beauty and the one where you kind of opened up your body and put it in far corner yeah. it was quite a tight angle if I remember rightly yeah. so it's a pity that one didn't go and I, was, I remember being at the game thing I really think it's another one because it'll be talked about for a long time But I would have loved 
Dude, that would have been my first hat-trick of my career, eh? so it would have been, would have been nice. And Joe Cardell had four, which you like to tell us about. <laughs> <laughs> no surprise in that, Joe liked to talk about himself. Eh? <laughs> well, speaking about yourself, what's your greatest achievement in football so far? Getting promotion with, with you know, Huddersfield at Wembley. I think, you know, it's probably the best way to get promotion down in England is, is through the playoffs. But, you know, then on the other side, if when you get beat in the final, it's, it's heartbreaking. So, Absolutely. You know, that would be up there. It's the same up here. Yeah, Isn't there a playoff yeah, game? I mean, yeah. it's your best goal. Have we touched upon that? If the no, you've mentioned the, the Motherwell one, which uh, I would say is probably the best. What I couldn't find footage was, did you win goal of the season at Rochdale with a halfway line effort? Or is that, is that uh, urban myth? I did score one um, with with Rochdale against Accrington, which which was a good one as well. Okay, best player you've played with? Um, Mallory Martin. James Cragen. <laughs> James Cragen. Best player you played against? Played against. Do you remember Marcus Tudguy, who used to play for Blackburn yes. Rovers? Played against him in a reserve game at Rochdale. He was playing for Blackburn. He was unbelievable. We, we asked Joe Cardell this, and he, uh, he dropped Edgar Davids, and <laughs> it was quite a name he drop. Did. <laughs> he played against Edgar Davids in the cup for, uh, for the teams he played in England. What's your biggest disappointment? Uh, getting beat in a playoff final. And your your ambitions in football? I was, I was going to ask, do you support a team? Uh, Man United. Right. Yeah. So Man, United. Man United has... Well, that's that's now past its sell-by date, mate. You're not a Mourinho player, I don't think. No, so, no just to play as, a, as long as I can and, and you know still be enjoying it like I am today. And so. do, you, do you have a plan after your playing career? No, I don't. Not at a minute. So, you know, I need to start thinking about that as when you're 20, 21, you think, oh, it never end. But now I'm 29, the trap does. <laughs> You know, getting closer. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? Players can fall out of the game at any age now because it's so, you know, it's always a knife edge. It's one year yeah. to your contracts, or players can still play at 37, 38. So if you're looking after yourself and you can kind of adapt to position, yeah. you just never know. But uh, I guess it's just uh, it's, it's something you don't want to think about, but you're, you know, eventually you have to. Aye. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's Higgy left to get a, a lift home to, <laughs> to sunny Edinburgh with the Mallory and Co. So, uh, Bertie and I will just finish off with one or two bits and bobs. Uh, we'll kick off with the internet interject. The best ever nil-nil draw you've ever seen. It's a hard one because there's not many nil-nil draws that you always look back on and say that they're memorable. But I suppose um, you, you look back at over over the years, there's not many, I can't think of too many nil-nil draws that I've, I've seen with Dunfermline. I know we've had two recently, but I can't remember over the last few years too many, too many goalless goalless games we've always had a, a pretty decent record at scoring um, for me I can't think of one off the top of my head but I know that you've got one in, in mind I'll, I'll give you three I'll give you, if we're going to talk about Dunfermline two, one, one that sticks out was a 0-0 draw 89 I would say it's quite a famous game we played Aberdeen in the cup Dunfermline threw everything at them and Ross Jack was playing for us at the time and he was up against a keeper called Theo Snelders and there was one he hit like an absolute rocket and how Snelders got a hand to it I don't know and he touched it onto the bar and there was three or four other chances that game we just couldn't score we ended up going up to Pataudry and getting beaten in the replay so that's one that sticks in my mind and, and you know it would come up certainly when he asked other Paris fans uh, another one if you imagine just grinding out a, a great result now now was the, the season after the issues we'd had with Celtic and the we went to Irox at 6-1 and you know, Celtic lost the league in the last day of the season they, they came here first game of the season and that was you know, a really good Celtic team UEFA Cup finalists UEFA Cup quarter finalists the next and we ground it a 0-0 draw against them uh, first game of the season it wasn't the best of games but it was a you know, 
if you know anything about football, it was a hell of a performance. Uh, the, the, the best game of football that finished now now in 90 minutes for me, though, was the, the World Cup semi-final, uh, Italy-Germany, 2006. Just because it was absolutely captivating, couldn't take your eyes off it. The, the one thing you could like, get thrown back at you is it did then go to extra time and it finished 2-0 to Italy and you know, the game's remembered for that. But if you actually took the, the 90 minutes in isolation, it was still a great, great game. But, but it, was, it was because of it, it, you know, it was in Germany. Had a home crowd, you had a really good Italy team, and, and it was just the, the, the whole tension, I think, of the game. So, I, there's a few, often a few and far between the, the, the great nil nils. Thinking back now, I think I'm right in saying uh, the Scottish Cup run we had, um, I think what year it would be, maybe 10 years or so, maybe now. Yeah. Um, did we not draw nil nil at Petodre against Aberdeen in the replay, but won on penalties? Yeah, the 2009. Aye, when we we went to the semi final. We won't mention what happened in the semi final, but aye, I was one. It was a good backs the wall performance that we, we didn't create many chances, but aye, we we it was a good backs the wall anyway. But uh, I can't think of too many memorable nil nil draws, but in terms of drama, the, in terms of drama and kind of how the the game kind of panned out and what meant to the club in terms of getting getting past the Premiership team and things like that. Probably that's the most memorable no no draw that I could I could think of. But what we're hoping doesn't happen ever any more no nos with the upcoming games. Uh, we have touched upon Mahiggy the Dalloa game on Saturday and then the cup. The league game after that is when we I've got down here Stephen Doby at home and that's a bit harsh, but Stephen Doby's Queen of the South, shall we say? Uh, it's interesting no, I think he's Europe's top marksman at the minute. At thirty six years old. I mean, Something like that. And I know probably a bit jovial as well because if you counted all the kind of second tiers and things like that, you might get other guys that have a similar record and um, you know other countries. So it's probably a bit jovial on that fact that he's been called Europe's top marksman. But you can't yeah. take anything away from him. It doesn't matter what level of football you play it to score the amount of goals that he has before the first quarter of the league seasons even now. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And I suppose, in a way, if, if you took those goals away, it would be interesting to see the results and the, the points and uh, you know the kind of effect it would have on Queen of the South. Aye. You don't like to say a team is a one-man band, but is it? Well, it would just be it would be psychological as well because obviously they'd have another striker in there to you know maybe put away some of the chances. But it's when you go on the pitch and your your talisman is gone. Uh, I think I think clubs lose belief. And you saw that even at the, the Champions League final last year when Salah was banging in the goals. Now Liverpool were underdogs anyway, but as soon as he goes off injured in the first half, I didn't believe Liverpool could win. I'm not sure some of the players on the pitch believe Liverpool could win, and Liverpool didn't win. So the thing is, you know, it's not to say he's got a good. He's got a good record of playing games, so there's nothing to say that he should get injured. A, a, a wee minor injury before the game on the 20th wouldn't go amiss here, because it's going to be a... You know, he, he is banging on the goals, and, and it seems very, very difficult to stop him, but hey, but we've got a good defensive record, and it would be an interesting challenge to see how we cope with him. Well, I mean, you look at uh, the result on Saturday, they drew 3-3 with Alwa, or 3-0, but Dobie scored the hat-trick. If, obviously, he's, if he didn't bang any goals... Alan might have went one three now again it just shows you that how pivotal he is to them but over the course of the season could could they really just rely on Stephen Dobie that's maybe where Queen of the South will be let down if he gets an injury um, that keeps him out for a length of time then Gary Smith has a, a, a job on his hands to try and replicate that 
that kind of attacking flair that Dolby provides them. So it's a, it's a, it's a strange one. Would you? I'm trying to think here myself. Would Would I rather have Dolby and a couple of average strikers around them? No disrespect to who Queen of South have. Aye. Or would I rather have, say, the four or five strikers that we have at Dunfermline just now that provide competition and when one's off form you have someone that could could step in? It's, I suppose it is a hard debate because if Dobie's firing in the goals, you're going to take that. Aye, but the only way to judge that is the end of the season and see how many games he's actually played. But I think any club in the league would take Stephen Dobie and work their team around him at this point in time. But like you say, if you, if you put all your eggs in one basket and then you know Dobie gets injured, you, you have a problem. Now, I don't know, maybe I, I don't know enough about the Queen of South squad, but you may be doing them at the service. Maybe there is someone that could come in and, and, and take over. But I think Dobie's probably the best player in the league, even at his age. And I, I just, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a huge loss if they do lose him for any uh, length of time. I was reading an article about uh, um, just a couple of days ago, and it's interesting. He still lives in the Blackpool area right. and he travels to training, you know, on a day or a weekly basis and things like that. So a lot of miles and Gary Neesmith said with age that he is and the, the kind of personality is within the changing room, it's almost accepted that if he needs an extra day or two off, he gets it because he's such a pivotal player now. Again, that could work two ways because everybody else could go, go, why is he getting Monday, Tuesday off and we're not? Or you could look at it and say, give him Monday and Tuesday because we know that he's going to win us the game on Saturday. It happens all the time in football. Uh, listen, if you're banging on the hat trick every second week, I think you're going to put up with it. If a guy's, if a guy's getting treated in a different way and isn't pulling his weight, aye. But I think, I think your average player would see common sense and think, you know, we're, we're lucky to have him at our team and if he needs another day or two and he still does the business, we'll, we'll, we'll take it. Uh, game after that is Dundee United at home. Now, that'll be very interesting because Robbie Nielsen will just been kind of, uh, his influence will probably start to show by then. Seems quite good appointment to me. He does, he does. He got Hearts out, their predicament when they came down. I mean, at that time, when you look back at the Hearts team that they had, uh, Jamie Walker, Jason Holt, Sam Nicholson... Um, guys like that that have went on to have reasonable careers not standout careers by any means yeah. but you know they've proven to be of top flight quality in Scotland at least he brought the players on and he improved them and he improved Tartree he won the championship probably the toughest championship in decades with Hibs and Rangers obviously there so he's, he's got a proven track record in this league and with the players that Dundee United have I don't think they're a bad squad and to be fair they're only 8 points behind behind there and there's still 3 quarters of the season to go so um, I wouldn't count Dundee United out yet and uh, it's a good appointment but the league is so tough it's it's tough to say oh Dundee United's going to run away with the league but if you're looking at uh, in terms of track record and potential I think it's a very good appointment. Mm-hmm. The Dundee Night Chairman said it was a critical appointment. Um, well, I, let's take my face value of that then. I mean, I don't know what state their, their, their finances are in or how you know, vital it is they get up this season. Because every year you hear it's vital about Dundee United going up and down. You know, they're still, still you know, live and kicking. So, But I can imagine they need to, or they're really, really desperate to get up to the top league again. And obviously that's what Nielsen's been brought in to do, given his, his record at Hearts from, in the Championship. Well, this is their what third season down at this division um, and even with a, a fan base that they do if if it continues to dwindle which I believe it is kind of game on game as it was under Lazo then if that continues to dwindle and they don't manage to go up then as you said serious repercussions 
um, may happen because we all thought at the end of last season the squad's going to be cut and then they go and sign guys like Nicky Clark and Fraser Aird and players that have proven themselves at this level or a, a higher level so they're not you know as I said their, their squad is still very competitive and it's such a big squad as well we also signed a lot of foreign players on two year deals which could be such a burden for Dundee United and there could be the problem for Robbie Nielsen it's okay maybe winning over the guys that you, you know how to kind of not manipulate you know what I mean in terms of how, how they work whereas if you've got guys that are from Austria and Switzerland and Algeria yes. and, and you're coming in and you've never met them you're coming in and you're trying to impose a philosophy a different philosophy on them this is where a divide might happen so it's it's a very very tough job for Robbie Nielsen the way I would actually look at it is almost similar to what Jack Ross has went to with uh, James Fowler and John Potter down Sunderland in yes. terms of it's a club that's in a very difficult sticky position and it's almost do or die for them in terms of trying to trying to win everybody back and, and get them all going in the same direction again that's how I would, I would look at it well right it probably is a microcosm that Sunderland have got the issue they've got guys who maybe don't want to be there anymore sometimes they can't even find them uh, on, on massive money but they seem to be taking steps to sort of and try to eradicate them from the squad and, and, and turn things around that way and bring on their own guys. The, the game after United, if my I've got Aloha away. There's an Inverness game in between there as well. The, isn't the, there is. There's an Inverness away trip midweek, which is uh, Tuesday night in Inverness. Which is interesting because obviously uh, we've an indifferent record against Inverness. You can say that again. Um, yeah. Do we send the young boys up again? Aye, well, that's, that's true. I would imagine not, but uh, aye, well, they certainly did themselves proud last time, didn't they? But aye, it's, uh, it's one of those things. That I remember at the start of the season, fans saying, look at the schedule and send us up there on a Tuesday night. But someone's obviously got to do it. So, and, and Inverness, when they play on a Tuesday night, they've got to travel any number of miles. So I mean, I was discussing a couple of days ago with um, a couple of people at the club that if we do run through the Andrew Cup game on Saturday against Alloa, the next round is scheduled for when we play Ross County away on the Saturday I see. so that game would be Tuesday. rescheduled so it like would be midweek from a overall perspective Inverness and Ross County away on a Tuesday night within a month of each other really doesn't sound appealing Listen, on Saturday I'd be happy if he played the, played the kids and Tommy Beadle and things like that again but the thing is you send them out and they'll still want to win and they, they, you know it's still possible it's weird, Aloha, a strange one, and, and after we play in Vanessa, it's, it's Aloha away on the Saturday. You know, when they were here, they looked very, very solid. They, they've, they've ground out a few results so far. Then they go and lose at home at Falkirk 2-0. Now, we'll see how the, the, the league pans out over the course of the season. That, that, at the start of the season, would seem like a normal result. You know, certainly when it's Falkirk's first one, you thought, you know, could that be the demise of Aloha? You know, is, is, is the bubble sort of burst a bit? Then they go scored three goals in Dumfries quite I mean it was in the first half, wasn't it? So it just shows how unpredictable this league is. Where that came from I don't know. But then I haven't seen Aloha, I would have expected them to see the game out there. I was very surprised to see that they did you know not ended up winning the game, albeit it was Dobie got a hat trick and he can obviously do that against anyone. So Aloha are a really, really difficult team to predict for me, given given what's happened so far, because they seem to be solid, but you know, the last couple of weeks they've, they've, they've not been so solid, but then they've suddenly got goals from somewhere. So uh, be interesting to see what team they put on Saturday, but I think the more interesting one is how we, how we cope with it away in the league. Uh, and then it takes us back up to the, the, the Derby again at home on, on the 10th of November. Falkirk are in a very difficult position just from what we saw on Saturday, and 
what a lot of the noises coming out of the port and that, um, they they seem almost consigned to relegation already. Which I think it's I think it's a bit early to say that. There's a long way to go. I, I think Ray McKinnon's actually a, a pretty decent manager, and I think given time he will improve Falkirk. Um, but I, I suppose it's going back to almost the the point with Dundee United. It's okay having a good squad of players or players with potential, but you need to have everybody pulling in the same direction and at the moment it certainly doesn't seem like everybody's on board there there's a lot of changes I mean he went go what three or four players uh, last sp- week they spent so, money on one as well hadn't they one of the boys from Livingston yeah Dylan Mackin I was going to say Mackin I think they actually spent money getting him and then they released him so. mm-hmm. just a couple of months later doesn't matter how much you spend but it's a pound or you know a thousand pounds at, at I don't think releasing a player two months into a two-year deal that you've signed for money is a very good sign of... No, it's not. You know what I mean, of where the club's at. Um, the thing with Falkirk, though, and McKinnon, I'd imagine by the time they're back here in a month's time, I think they've tightened them up at the back. Uh, I don't know if they can do anything in the loan market. I, I suspect they can't unless it's at an emergency, but I'm, I'm not sure of the rules there. But I think we'll see a team that's very well organised and they, they come out here to grind a result. And there's no, you know, there's no point predicting in this league, especially so far in advance. But these things can happen. You, you, you might do what we've seemed to do and try and get the defence sorted out first, and then see if they can nick games, uh, stay in touch, and then we'll probably see like the Falkirk board did last season when they were in a similar predicament. I think they they might release some funds for him to bring in one or two of his own players in January to try and pull them up the league. I mean, they have brought in free agents and Prince Bobbin and I forgot about him, eh? they, um, they were rumoured to be uh, trying to sign to Colt McDonald, nothing's happened yeah, yet in that regard, but again, it's okay trying to, trying to bring in these experienced players to make things tick, but as we've all seen before, throwing money at and bringing in three or four players doesn't always make the desired effect and actually working with the players that you've actually got instead of increasing the numbers may actually be the more sensible thing to do and the other thing as well is if you're releasing three or four players paying up their contracts especially if it's two year deals and then you're trying to bring in guys that will be wanting a decent wage anyway Aye. there's not a well for Falkirk I presume there's not an un, unlimited amount of funds so it has to stop somewhere Aye it's, it's difficult to say I, I'm, I'm sure they've not given the guy Oh, his money to the end of the contract. They, they maybe come to agreement where they pay him up until he finds another club, or they've come to agreement where they pay six months or something like that. But I would, I would, but yeah, still shelling out money for a guy who's not going to be contributing. So I, we'll see what happens there. I guess it's not our concern. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see as long as it's not unfairly. I'm happy to see anyone at the bottom of the league. You know, it happens to be Falkirk. It happens to be Falkirk. Yeah, well, this will, it's unlikely we'll get this out beforehand, but the. The Scotland squads is a, the other thing I was going to touch upon before we wrap things up. Uh, unfortunate to hear about the guy from Bournemouth, Fraser. Ryan Fraser. Ryan Fraser, thank you. Uh, he's been going great guns down there, but he he's has. unfortunately been ruled out through through injury. I was quite looking forward to seeing him, so I think he would have started. Any time you see him in match of the day, he always looks at the handful, so it's a good sign for Scotland. Griffiths pulling out as well in this big kind of debate over... You know he's pulled out because he wants to concentrate on his fitness, but yeah. he's not. He's not retiring from international football. He's just having a, a sabbatical. Guys like Scott Brown, Stephen Naismith coming out and saying that 
they think that's quite a good idea. Scott Brown saying he wish he was as brave as Griffiths to do that and then might have prolonged his international career. Yeah. Naismith saying that that's what he done in the summer for the, the uh, South American tour and now he's back if he was back on form of heart. So it's interesting all the people say the footballers, how can't they manage three games in a week or things like that? But obviously players in this day and age, generally in Scotland anyway, seem to feel that they need a weekend off at times. Aye, it's, it's a difficult one. You, unless you're privy to the conversation, you, you end up speculating and then that's a you know a tricky thing to do because you might put two and two together and make five. The thing you'd say about Griffiths is he's not done that before and he's still got credit in the bank after that England game. So I'd be inclined to take him at face value and, and hope that he does come back into the squad and, and rattle in the goals. There's no guarantee to be a starter anyway. You know, they, they might go other options up front. So he maybe just didn't fancy you know, travelling across to Tel Aviv to do a couple of training sessions and then, you know, sit on the bench for, for you know, two thirds of the game. So you can understand that as well. So part of it might have been seeing that coming and, and not fancying it and, and thinking, well, I'm, I'm not going to go. The one that concerns me slightly is the boy Kearney that plays for Fulham. It's great, there's reviews, reviews down there he's played for us. I thought that was him nailed on, but then there's, there's rumours that England might come and looking for him because he's not played in a competitive game. Be a big call for him to jump ship because I don't know if he's the future of English football in the centre midfield, but you know, Scotland can do all the quality players that they, they can get their hands on. He's certainly a quality player and it's a tad worrying that there might be a chance that he doesn't turn out for us again. Well, it's good though that we're talking about players that we want in the squad that are good enough that we're disappointed that they're away rather than saying, well, we have a, a, good, a big enough squad but we can't really decide on a stand of them because they're not of the quality that we feel the, the kind of headaches that Alex McLeish has at the minute rather than the kind of headaches that, say, uh, Ben Vokes had when he was trying to pull together a group of guys that, that were good enough at that time uh, he went through all the players but he went through all the players because he was trying to find the best ones whereas now we kind of have a a group of maybe 25-30 that we we could pick from and we see with the pool you speak about Tom Kearney but then you look at the guys in Sermon Field that we've got McGinn Armstrong McTominay Mm -hmm. who's coming through Man United so there's a a strong group there so I'm not saying Scottish football is in a fantastic place but I don't think there's a lot to be negative about either I think that this Nations League might actually be a good kind of um, start point for us to try and progress again well I think so I think because there's it's you know there's a, a chance of it aiding qualification for the Euros that you know it's a, it's a it's a good thing for someone like Scotland uh, quite heartened by the performance against Albania especially they're under a lot of pressure after McLeish's start, you know, it's a good job he won in Hungary because it would have been several defeats in a row, so that bought him a wee bit of time, but after the, the heavy defeat to Belgium, the rest of were okay until about half time and then, you know, capitulated a wee bit at the start of the second half. There was a lot of pressure on the Albania game, I remember people seeing the team that he put out and I can't believe this, can't believe that, but that's easy to do with Scotland. But they, they dominated the game against Albania with full value for winning 2-0. And it sets us up quite quite nicely for the rest of the group. So I, I'm, I'm reasonably positive. I'm always reasonably positive. I'm always positive about the players as well. Uh, I always, always think that the next game we're going to win, despite what's happened before. So maybe I'm just one of these happy clappers that they talk about. But yeah, I, I don't see the point in being completely down at your own team. Uh, there's plenty of 
quite a chance to do that in the aftermath when you're at Dunfermline in Scotland. For... I think we'll tie up there. The one thing I was going to touch upon that I've not done before we go is just to congratulate Liam Newton. He's a 16-year-old. I don't know if you know him, Bertie, but he's the first Dunfermline Athletic Stroke Fife Elite youth player to graduate from the SFA Performance School. So, uh, just when we're talking about Scotland and the future of the Scottish game, I'm no expert on infrastructure, but let's hope things like that take off. Let's hope they aid the powers and let's hope they aid Scotland. Thank you very much for your time as always. No problem. Uh, thanks to Higgy. Uh, hopefully he's getting home safely. And until next time, Mana Powers!